0: Welcome to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire.
1: And I'm Robert Bocciolato.
0: And today we're going to talk about Kennedy Space Center. A lot of talk as we record this in July 2019, Robert, of Uh 1969 with the moon landing and, of course, uh, the launch of Apollo 11 from Kennedy Space Center, Cape Canaveral, Florida. Uh, Wanted to kind of take a broad brush and look at uh, the Cape and its impact on the history not only of the state but the history of this country and uh, uh cape canaveral kennedy space center ha- has been spaceport usa since the beginning the first uh, attempted launch uh, of a of a rocket into space uh, by the united states in 1958 which was ill-fated um was from cape canaveral then the explorer that did get off the launch pad the mercury program the gemini program there were um uh, 15 Apollo, or, yeah, 15 or 16 launches of Saturn V rockets with the Apollo program, Skylab, and the space shuttle. Uh, but it wasn't always very straightforward. Um, the state space shuttle program was almost moved out of Florida. Uh, so just want to kind of walk through that history for our listeners. There was nothing quite like the Cape in the, in the history, in the period where the space
1: program was had captured the imagination of the American public. You know, and and this is, uh, as we, you know, prepare for this topic like we always do, you know, we we have a a pretty good idea about all these topics that we cover, but we like to sort of brush up a little bit. And I was amazed at just how much uh, the the whole space process evolved in Florida in the beginning and how much uh, public interest there was. And then probably after uh, the Challenger explosion, from like 1986 to the present, it's almost as if the public just sort of tuned out. Yeah. And I and I think it was because the the shuttle program went on and on and on. You know, it it wasn't like the rapid fire like you know Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, which there were so many and it all happened in like the span of ten years. Uh, The shuttles it just sort of became kind of uh repetitious and you know I remember going there to the Kennedy Space Center um when I was like 10 and I'll be honest for a while I just thought well you know everything sort of it almost felt like everything was sort of set in stone and I never really went back and explored it and having done so now there's been so many changes that I think I think people just forgot that. Um, you know, the shuttles are no longer the the means of transportation. There's so many new ways that they're trying to expand it commercially. Uh, you know, you have private vendors now that are trying to go into space. I mean, it's it's a really exciting time in the Kennedy Space, uh, space Center, uh, probably more so than at any time since the Apollo. I would agree with you that space travel has never recaptured
0: the imagination of the American public as it did before the Challenger explosion. And in fact, I'm one of those people who consistently went to shuttle launches when I was a kid, it was before you were born, but when I was a kid, would queue up, was so familiar with the Cape. I'm not sure I ever went back to a shuttle launch after a Challenger. I to the, the Cape a few times. My father actually worked for NASA for a long period of time, but I never, I don't think I actually went to a launch uh, after the Challenger explosion. And I lost track. I mean, when I was a kid, I knew all the astronauts names, the commanders and uh, pilots of each uh, shuttle flight, the payload specialists, mm-hmm. which SDS mission is going up, I collected the patches for each shuttle mission. And and then quite frankly, lost interest and never really regained it to the same extent after Challenger. And I was uh, only 11 years old when, when the Challenger exploded, 1986. But never really recaptured that. I want to walk through some of the history of Kennedy Space Center. Uh, obviously, uh, Canaveral, uh, Cape Canaveral Air Force Station, controlled by the Department of Defense. It was transferred to NASA in the in the late 1950s, right before the Mercury program started, uh, under the control of Werner von Braun and the Marshall Space Flight Center and NASA's facility in Huntsville, Alabama. JFK, in 1961, uh-huh. set out the goal of getting to the moon. And from that point until uh, – from that point forward, the rest of the decade, Cape Canaveral, Kennedy Space Center, Cocoa Beach, Brevard County, Florida were the place to be in this country.
1: And, I, and you know, and one thing I, – I know anybody that has seen the right stuff will probably understand it. But for those of you that haven't, and I, I really recommend it. It's a, a wonderful movie. Um, not I can't imagine. I, I can't. I, I cannot imagine. Well, just, I've not seen that movie. But go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, one of one of the interesting things about this time period was not only did the astronauts work here, but they hung out here, they vacationed here, yep, they party, they partied here, and it was it became a pretty big part of state life to see. You know, a Chuck Yeager, a, a, well, not Chuck Yeager, but you know, a John Glenn yeah. hanging out in a bar or something, and Alan you know, Shepard. Yeah, Alan Shepard. I mean, it was, it was just, you know, it was, it was another, another celebrity aspect to life in the early '60s. Yeah, and that that uh, intensified with the Gemini program.
0: You had uh, nothing really took advantage in this country. There were sitcoms and everything, but no. Um, I think no event and no place got the television bump quite like Cape Canaveral, Kennedy Space Center, and the U.S. space program. Uh, Walter Cronkite, so uh, famously associated with, uh, w- with the space program fr- from his broadcast on CBS. Jay Barbary on, uh, on NBC. Basically, we associate him with Cocoa Beach, and we associate him with uh, the area and every uh, space launch, on and on and on. And I I think that so much of America's imagination was around the Cape and around the space program that families would vacation uh, in mm-hmm. Florida because of um, uh, uh, of the Cape and because of the space program to the point where um, that is what stimulated the growth of Central Florida. We talked about Disney in a yeah. prior episode, but. As I think I, you and I mentioned on that episode, uh, Central Florida was already beginning to boom uh, just to the east yeah. of Orlando because of the space program.
1: Yeah, because of this. And that was, um, I, you know, I wish that I could have been around back then because I, I can't imagine how exciting it was. I mean, it, it must have been equivalent to commerce-wise and industry-wise like a big bang. Yeah. You know, there's there's hardly nothing there in central Florida. And then in the span of just a few years, you have just this huge aerospace industry pop up out of nowhere. You have so much national attention. And, you know, people kind of forget now because rockets go up all the time. You know, we send satellites all the time. But in the era of three or four news channels, three television channels, all of them were pointed at the cape. I mean, it was absolute must-see TV. And then you add in to the equation Walt Disney, and it just we just experienced such a huge boom overnight. Yeah, that's such an important
0: part of this story. We had three major television networks uh, at the time. We're going to talk about this in a future episode when we talk about Watergate and the Republican Party in Florida. But When there were news events, the entire attention of the country turned to those news events. And more often than not, in the late 60s, a time of great strife in the country, a time of the Vietnam War, uh, the the, the end of the civil rights era, uh, lots of protests in the streets. The thing that unified Americans in middle America, um, in the big cities, all over the country, black, white, uh, Hispanic, everyone, male, female, was the space program. It was such an important part of American culture. So any time Walter Cronkite was live at the Cape, everybody's attention was on that. And um, the race to the moon, the U.S. getting to the moon before the end of the 1960s, which John F. Kennedy had talked about, was one national goal everybody was unified behind. It was an
1: obsession. I mean, you know, that was just, you know, they if, if they were going to do it, Uh, for Kennedy, you know, so many people thought that, you know, they lost Kennedy, but they they were able to fulfill his dream. And then you add into the equation that they needed to do it before, you know, their mortal enemy, the Russians, the Soviets, and it was just collectively, I don't think we've ever as a nation done anything so one, just one single-minded Again, the way that we did that, I mean, the only thing I would equate it to was how we handled world wars. I mean, we, we, are, we were just totally one nation behind this goal of placing an American on the moon. And then once we did, we stopped caring.
0: But you know. but but, but uh, you're right, though. Other than World War II, and I've, I've made this analogy before, it is the closest thing that um, – the next generation, uh, the, the baby boom generation witnessed that was like their parents' generation in World War II was the race to the moon, the national obsession, the, the unity it brought. It didn't quite bring the unity necessarily that, that World War II did, and no war has brought that since. No event in American history has brought that since. But it did bring a sense of purpose and a sense of unity and a national obsession. 13 Saturn, Saturn V launches from uh, the Cape. Uh, including Apollo 11, which famously uh, was launched on, on July 16th, 1969, 50 years ago, as as we taped this, want to mention and we've run a story on this on the at the Florida Squeeze, Apollo 1, the tragedy of Apollo 1, where uh, Gus Grissom, Ed White, and Roger Chaffee died on the launch pad um, in a test, and uh, that's that set the Apollo program back uh, a, a year. We didn't have another man launch for over a year, but when we did. Apollo's eight, 8 and 9 uh, served the purpose of uh, uh, of orbiting the moon and testing the lunar module. 10 got us ready for uh, the landing and, uh, and, and, and was also a very, very important flight. And that was in May of 1969. And uh-huh. then Apollo 11, famously, um, July 20th, lands on the moon. July 16th, we want to focus on, takes off from Cape Canaveral. There was, at the time, Robert, um yeah. Nothing like, I'm told, driving to the Cape a day or two before the launch, checking into whatever motel you could get in Cocoa Beach. And the motels would be booked all the way from Titusville, Cocoa Beach, all the way through Melbourne, all the way through Vero Beach. You couldn't get a room. So getting whatever accommodation you could get, then getting up in the morning of the launch, because these launches are uh-huh. in the morning, 4, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and sitting on the causeway and waiting. For the launch, you know, on on the uh, I don't think in '69 the Bending Causeway was open yet. The uh, 520 was Causeway Causeway's, the beach line now, B line Expressway, beach line Expressway. Uh, but there were there were causeways. Uh, the 405 I think was open, but I don't think they let you that close. Um, I'll admit, I have a bit of a skewed perspective on this because my dad did work for NASA, so when I went yeah. to watch we were VIPs and we were allowed inside the the seven mile or whatever the, the cutoff is. But for the general public, I'm told there was nothing like it. Uh, you know, you're outside that perimeter, so you can't go past a certain point, and you're camped out on those causeways. Once the shuttle program started, the Venice Causeway 528 was uh, was open, and that's where a lot of people would just sit. And uh, you'd get there at 4 or 5 in the morning.
1: Well, and, and you know, the thing is, nowadays you have a a pretty easy ride between the Panhandle to South Florida because you have I-75, you all, you have all of these, uh, you know, pretty steady, safe, well-maintained roads. Uh, during this time period, it was a whole zigzag of different back roads. And, and, and so, you know, people had to really work at getting there. And uh, I mean, that in itself was an adventure, but, Now, we've, you know, we've had a consistent presence in space for, I think now we hit the record of like 15 years consistently. Somebody has been in outer space. So we're kind of used to this idea of space travel. We're kind of, you know, we're we're turned off from it. Right. But at the time, these things were ginormous. They, I mean, it was, it, you know, it was sort of uh, like, you know, Charles Lindbergh crossing the Atlantic. It was the next great step of navigation. But Lindbergh, discovery. Lindbergh wasn't televised. So that was a
0: huge yeah. difference, right? They didn't yeah. have television then. And, and a great point about the roads. So um, you would have to take back roads uh, and then eventually end up at US 1 and somehow Meander your way to the Cape. Uh, state Road 520 was a two-lane road uh, going to the center of the state at the time toward Orlando, which wasn't a very significant place. Uh, the Beeline line Expressway gets built. Um, it, it, now it's called the Beach Line because they want tourists to go to the beach, right, from, from Orlando. Uh-huh. Uh, the Beeline was originally built because you need to transport rockets from uh, the Martin Marietta facility, now uh, Lockheed Martin facility, off Sand Lake Road uh, to the Cape. So you build an expressway. That's why expressways were built at the time in Florida, and and the same thing with I ninety five. The the portion of I ninety five that came directly to to Titusville, where there was also, um, I believe, that facility w- was uh, was Lockheed, and there was a McDonnell Douglas facility there too. The reason I ninety five was built first there before you got I ten in the Panhandle before seventy five was done, uh, in most of the state before ninety five was done. Uh, to south florida it was a missing link of i-95 for years was the same consideration they needed to get rockets and transport to the cape this was in the utmost nas- national interest was to get uh, mm-hmm. the infrastructure to cape canaveral uh, and to the kennedy space center done in a timely fashion so i wanted to bring this up robert after the apollo program is is sunsetted in 1972 there is significant talk of moving yeah the shuttle program, which is now in its uh, infant stages, and they would hope to launch a shuttle program by 1977. As we know, uh, the first manned shuttle mission didn't take place till 81. It was delayed. There were uh, there were also problems with the Skylab program, which was going on at the time. The uh, the space station. There was significant significant support for moving shuttle launches to either White Sands, New Mexico, or to Vandenberg Air Force Base uh, in mm-hmm. Southern
1: California. And they still thought... Like was. I was I was just about to say California cuz they did a lot of uh, a lot of shuttle landings there. Correct. So it was going to be to one of those two
0: places. You and I talk a lot about the 1970s in Florida politics. Uh, mm-hmm. one of the unifying traits in that golden age was Governor Reuben Askew, Senator Lawton Childs, and any number of other officials pressuring um the federal government, pressuring NASA you have this infrastructure. You have Launch Facility 39, the launch pad, which all the 75 launches went from. You have this build out. Um, let's uh, let's keep the program here. They did keep the program. Uh, obviously, uh, in in uh, uh, April 1972, they made the decision to continue to use um, Kennedy Space Center after considering White Sands and uh, and Vandenberg Air Force Base. There was concern about. Um, how close it was to the sea. There was concern about corrosion. Since the shuttle, unlike the Apollos and the Geminis, were going to be reusable aircraft. And then eventually the decision was made to land the shuttle um, Uh at Kennedy Space Center and build uh, the landing strip. This was all done. I just want to reiterate that because this is, I think, a common theme of many of our shows. Because of the political culture in this state in the 1970s, we kept
1: the space program here. And, you know, I, I don't think we could say enough how big of a lobbying effort it was because people seem to to just think that there was this natural transition between the end of Apollo, the brief little flirtation of Skylab that, you know, people kind of forget about Skylab now and yeah, it just totally. went into went into the shuttle program and that was how it was for 30 years but the the shuttle program was actually the second version of the shuttle program the first shuttle that was created was the enterprise and there was a lot of i think most of the flights or all the flights of this one shuttle enterprise was all basically just sort of technical exploration like how does it handle how does it move how does it you know how does it uh, land yep. all of these different things and they didn't really a lot of people really weren't interested in the the shuttle program i uh, chiefly jimmy carter yeah uh thought it was not only impractical but ir- irrelevant a lot of people just thought you know we we need to go in a different direction and we pushed back very 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 hard and so you'll, you'll see time and time again, you'll see all of the governors, all of the lieutenant governors, they are there. They are present all the time for each launch. They are always meeting in close proximity with NASA. You start seeing uh, lieutenant governors chairing committees for NASA, all to make sure that these jobs stay where they are. Yeah, and there was a temptation. Uh, the shuttle
0: was being built the Enterprise, the initial uh, shuttle, which never went into, into space, but was used for all the testing, was built in California. And there was, a, a, a in, in terms of budget and all of this discussion, hey, why don't we just keep it here? And uh, Ruben Askew you lobbied hard um, yeah. uh, to, 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 to make sure the space program stayed uh, at Kennedy Space Center. And I know as a kid, I, I'm not sure about um, – Martinez. Martinez, I think it was after Challenger, uh, he got elected. But as a kid, Graham or Mixon, Wayne Mixon, were at every launch. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. I, I met Bob Graham as a kid uh, in the VIP area at Kennedy Space Center uh, at, 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 for a shuttle launch. Obviously, Bill Nelson was the congressman, and he went for that, for Brevard County, uh, and he mm-hmm. went up into, into space uh, and had been an incredible supporter of the, of the space program. Before him, uh, Lou Fry. Who was a Republican, uh, Ed Gurney, who we have talked about in the past? They were support, big supporters of the space program. It was a bipartisan effort. Bill Gunter is another one I associate uh-huh. with really pushing hard to keep uh, NASA on the space program in Florida. It's something, Robert, that you wonder uh-huh. if it happened today with
1: our political culture, if we'd be able to pull it off as a state. We may not be able to. Well, you know, and and one of the one of the images that I always love is the um because you know they used to put shuttles on airplanes and you see you yeah. know that uh, the famous photo we have flying over the capital um and it was like this political stunt you know the 747 attached uh on its roof was the the shuttle basically just to say you know you don't got to worry we're not going to make sure that this site you know doesn't ever happen again we're going to make sure that the subtle shuttle program is here and um, i you know Space exploration and science for a very long time was just an easy win for both parties. You know, Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon, it was something that they both took great honor in, their efforts in, you know, forming NASA and making sure that it was funded. And ultimately, I think they both took credit for the moon landing, even though Nixon was, was president at the time. But nowadays, I I would like to hope that there would still be that sort of respect. Um, But you kind of see what was happening in the early 2000s, where there were talked about scrapping the program, where they started laying off jobs. And it didn't really seem as though the interest was there from the House majority to try to fight and maintain those jobs the way they did 30 years ago. Yeah,
0: I would agree with that. I think that there was a lot of uh, uh, concern that even uh, those those rep- people representing Brevard County, it was Dave Weldon at one point, uh, a Republican who replaced Jim Backus, who had been a great a Democrat, who had been a great champion of the space program, didn't care about the jobs in Brevard County and, and the larger uh, impact on the state. And there were some a lot of concern in the state legislature of that too. Now, there were still some proactive Republicans and Democrats uh, about the space program, but it kind of just faded from everyone's imagination and thought. Something completely unthinkable in the 1960s and 1970s when this was a unifying pillar of, of Florida politics and something that everyone was really proud of. That that picture of the, of the shuttle on the 747 flying over the state capitol, I actually have a print of it. And it's something yeah. that everybody in Florida politics and in Tallahassee of a certain era took a lot of pride in, saying this is ours. And I, I would get possessive of myself saying, hey, it's not California. I didn't like when the shuttle landed in California. I, I felt a pride as a Floridian. I'm also, my father worked for NASA, as I mentioned, but a pride as a Floridian. I wanted the thing taking off here, and I wanted it landing here. I didn't like it having to be ferried from California. I didn't like the TV cameras being on Andrews Air Force Base in California or White Sands, New Mexico. To me, it was a very Florida thing, and I think a
1: lot of people in this state had that pride. And I, I think that probably again goes into the fact that there are now just just another side effect of the term limits that we have in this state and the fact that we have such a fluid population that a lot of people that are in government don't recall those uh, memories of how important it was for this state. And a lot of them don't have the emotional associations that you or me have with the state's history. That is correct, and that's a great place to leave off, Robert. That's a a big reason why we
0: do this show. Absolutely. So you can find us wherever you find podcasts, uh, everywhere on the net, on your smartphone, etc. And we will be back next week with another new episode of the Florida History Podcast. Podcast.